Minimalism is the movement that encourages you to live with less. Less stuff, less possessions, less clutter, and find more joy and more time to focus on what matters. So what is minimalish? It's the grace-filled way of doing the same thing. Sustainable, realistic minimalism that actually makes sense for your life. The Minimalish Podcast is here to help you make life lighter realistically. I'm your host, Desiree, and my passion is to help you create room for what matters to you by cutting the clutter and excess stuff in your home and your life. It's not just about decluttering and having a tidy home, but about how having less stuff will give you more time and more space to focus on creating the life you actually want to live. We'll talk about topics of minimalism, motherhood, simple, intentional living, and everything in between here on the show each week. Let's walk towards simple together. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Minimalish Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Teresa of Montessori in Real Life. And I can't wait to share our conversation with you, especially for you moms and moms-to-be. This episode is full of ideas about arranging play spaces in the home and ways to support our little ones in their learning. But just quickly, before we dive in, I wanted to start with something different and read a review of the week. This is something I've wanted to do for a while just as a way to say thank you and acknowledge those of you that are taking the time to say kind words about the show. So here it goes. This one is from Lisa K. Lloyd, and she says, I've been loving this podcast as a reminder that minimalism doesn't have to be perfect. It's what you make it and what works for you. Thank you for keeping it real, especially for new and working mamas. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. All I can hope for is that this podcast is encouraging you in some way each week to slow down, live more intentionally, live with less, and have time for the things that matter to you. And I love this review because it's so true. Minimalism can be for everyone. It does not have to be a certain way. It does not have to be exactly perfect. It's just what works for you. It's all about kind of covering it in grace, you know, not reaching for perfectionism. Minimalism is not about perfectionism. It's just about changing your life through having less stuff. That's why I continually put time into creating this for you each week because minimalism, slowing down, and making steps towards more purposeful, intentional days has changed my life. And I believe it can change yours too. So to all of you who have given the show a rating or have written a review, thank you. I wish I could just give you a hug because your kind words mean so much to me and they encourage me to keep going. And same to those of you who each week are sharing the podcast on Instagram or wherever else you're sharing it. I love that you're sharing this podcast with your people and because of that, more lovely women and moms are listening. If you are loving the podcast and want to give the podcast a rating or review on iTunes, and that's the way that you listen, just scroll down and hit those five stars that you see, and then leave a short note about why you're loving it. Thank you in advance if you do, and of course, screenshot and share that you're listening on Instagram. Tag me at minimalish underscore motherhood so I can see what you're enjoying about the show, and then I'll reshare your post on my story as well. All right, let's dive into today's episode. So I heard the term Montessori for the first time while I was pregnant. It was from my friend and neighbor at the time, Jessalyn, who is a toddler mom as well, and she was doing things a lot different than most moms that I knew. Her toys were different, her home was set up different, and just the slow, intentional way that she was parenting really inspired me. 
What I used to think of when I thought of parenting a toddler was just straight up chaos. And of course, it's inevitable that there will be moments that can be described exactly in that way. There's no getting around that the fact that mothering and parenting is going to be chaotic at times, and probably more times than we'd like it to be. But I think if we change our approach and the way maybe we set up our homes, what we allow into our homes, and probably more than anything, the way we allow the chaos to affect us as the parent and the way that we react to it, I believe we can find much more peace in our days. I'm going to be real with you and tell you that 75 to 80% of the time, maybe more, my child is not the definition of peace. (laughs) She's 18 months old, she's really fast, and she likes to climb things and make messes, but I find peace in our days by slowing down my own pace and my reactions to her, and the way I structure our days together adds some calm to the crazy. Of course, I'm not perfect in this area, but... This peaceful, slow, intentional style of parenting is what appeals to me, and it's what I try to move towards each day. And it's also what I saw when I was first introduced to Teresa from Montessori in Real Life, and I'm so thrilled to have her on the show today. I don't know a ton about Montessori, to be honest, though I know more now that I've talked to Teresa, but it's always been very appealing to me, and it's always been really interesting to me to learn more about. And from the beginning, I have taken bits and pieces from this method into my parenting and added it into our home. While my goal on the show is not to try to convert you to the style of education, uh, my goal is to just share different styles of living, of parenting, of raising our children, of mothering, of all the things that encourage intentionality and peace. And I believe that Montessori does that. Plus, there are so many aspects of Montessori that just fall in line with minimalism, especially when it comes to play spaces and toys. And that's what we talk a lot about today. And I think you're going to love hearing about that. Teresa is a certified Montessori educator. And she now stays at home with her daughter and shares how she incorporates Montessori into her home through her blog, Montessori in Real Life, and on Instagram, where she is also at Montessori in Real Life. And today in our conversation, we focus a lot on integrating child-friendly spaces into the home without clutter, intentional toys, and we also just have some real-life toddler mom talk. We talk about separation anxiety, among a bunch of other things. So let's dive into our conversation. Hi, Teresa. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Um, I can't wait to have you share your story and what you do with our listeners. So before we really get started and dive into all of that, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, my name is Teresa, as mentioned, and I'm mom to one little girl who's 20 months, and I have a baby boy on the way due in late May. And I pretty much spent my whole life in school, either as a student or a teacher. So I got my graduate degree in developmental psychology and then my Montessori certification for the infant toddler age before becoming a Montessori teacher. And then not long after, we found out we were pregnant. And uh, once my daughter was born, I decided to stay at home with her. And now I have a blog called Montessori in Real Life. That's awesome. Um, So I'm a 
teacher, a former teacher as well. And right now I teach online classes. So still consider myself a teacher, but, but kind of a totally different thing because I taught public education, been diving into kind of understanding Montessori a little bit and um, just really loving learning about it. So I'll have you kind of talk about what Montessori is and then tell us about Montessori in real life. Like when you started the blog, what made you want to start it? Yeah, um, I started the blog just a couple of months after my daughter was born. Uh, I was kind of in the depths of sleep deprivation and figuring out new motherhood. And though I knew I wanted to raise uh, our daughter with Montessori principles, I quickly realized it was much more challenging to do so as a mom than as a teacher. So I started the blog as kind of just a journal for implementing Montessori at home. And it it slowly became a way to help other like-minded parents incorporate Montessori at home as well. Um, It's definitely grown a lot more than I had imagined. um, And it's been really fun. So... My blog and Instagram, I guess I focus mostly on the types of purposeful play and Montessori activities that we set up at home. So I just try to show lots of examples of how very capable, confident, and independent a toddler can be when given the right tools and a lot of practice. Um, And I just also use my blog as a way to address tricky issues from a Montessori standpoint, such as tantrums and sleep and routines and that kind of thing. Yeah. And you mentioned that kind of teaching your own child Montessori style and Montessori principles is more challenging than, than teaching, you know, in a classroom. And why do you think, why do you feel that way? I think in a classroom, there's just so much structure to the day. um, And you know, exactly what's expected of you as a teacher, you know, you follow these sets. And if a child, you know, acts this way, you kind of have a handbook of how to respond. Also, kids with like the peer pressure of following each other, just sort of there's more structure to that too. And I think as a mom, the hardest part is that there's so many emotions with it. um, That when something is difficult or your child is melting down. Um, I don't know. You just want to react instinctively and not necessarily in the way that I read about in like Montessori books or learned in my training. Um, I think sleep is a good example because when she was a newborn, she was a terrible sleeper. And I was so sad on having her sleep, you know, on her back Uh, you know, independently fall asleep. And I just quickly realized that it just wasn't going to happen. And she took all her naps in a carrier on me for the first couple of months. And I just had to let some things go. And over time, we gradually got to the floor bed like I had hoped for, but just couldn't rush it with your own child. Just kind of had to give her, I don't know, cater to her needs and not just what I had hoped for from the Montessori standpoint. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And it's so relatable um, as, as a, I'm also a mom to a toddler. And so it's just so relatable to think about kind of like the expectations we might put on our, our own children and how yeah. they often, you know, they not that they don't like live up to our expectations. And but it's almost like it's us who have to really adapt to them. So I can totally understand mm-hmm. that and relate to that. 
And I can also relate to like the whole structures in a classroom thing from a totally different perspective. But, um, but yeah, it just, as a teacher, you don't have all of those emotions attached as you do to your own child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Before we get way too ahead of ourselves, can you just talk a little bit about Montessori? What is the philosophy behind it? Um, It can be just a brief overview. I know that's probably a loaded question. (laughs) Um, But why did you decide to get your, you know, get certified in teaching Montessori versus like maybe just just like a general teaching certificate? And why are you deciding to teach your daughter in this way? Like what makes it appealing to you? Um, My husband is always trying to get me to come up with a good elevator pitch for this very question. (laughs) Something I really struggle with, but I'll give it a shot. Um, The idea behind the Montessori philosophy is to provide an environment in which the child is self-motivated, eager to learn and try new things, and above all, respected. Um, Respect is huge. So each child is shown an equal level of respect. And in return, they learn early on to respect others and their environment. So we show each child respect by speaking to them as human beings rather than babies. And just letting them be active participants in all aspects of their life, starting at birth. Um, And I think I fell in love with Montessori the first time I observed in a classroom um, and just saw how confident and happy and focused uh, this group of toddlers could be, even starting at, you know, these were 18-month-olds. And I just knew that I wanted to give our daughter the opportunity just to discover her own interests and to feel that respect and learn that respect towards others. Um, and just become an independent and self-assured little girl. I think especially having a girl, you just hope for those things. Yeah, definitely. Um, That's really cool. Did you hear of Montessori through your studies, like previous to the Montessori certificate, or did you, how did you hear about it? Like, I heard about it through a friend, and before that, I had never heard about it, which kind of surprised me going to school for education. So, um, how did you kind of come across it? Yeah, I think I'd heard about it um, in my in my studies in school of since I studied developmental psychology and that kind of thing. But I really only found out about it because it was a summer between, or maybe it was after I graduated uh, undergrad and I was looking for a part-time teaching assistant position in a preschool. And I applied to a few and got an interview at this Montessori school and I did some research beforehand, so I wouldn't be too embarrassed. And But I really had no idea until I got there for the interview and did a little observation and was just kind of mesmerized by the whole idea of it. Yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool how that happens. You just like kind of stumble upon something and then it ends up being like yeah. what you dedicate a huge part of your life to. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Hey there, just popping into this episode to tell you about the cleaning routine resource that I've created for you. If you've ever felt like you're spending way too much time cleaning your house, or you're overwhelmed by the state of your home, or maybe you just dislike cleaning and you don't know how to actually make yourself do it regularly, this free resource is for you. I've never loved cleaning and I've never been good at keeping up with it but I finally created a routine for myself that works. And I'm sharing it with you too, because I think it might help you. 
hundreds of other moms are using this cleaning routine resource already and I've heard from so many of them that it's working. So here's what you'll get. You'll get a downloadable PDF that simply explains what the cleaning routine looks like step by step and then you'll get a list that you can use to check off your own cleaning tasks in the week. I also provide my own list that I work through which you can print and use and add to, or you can just start with the blank list that I include. It has a cute little hand-lettered title and design to it, and you can even frame it and use it as part of your home decor and use a dry erase marker to check it off. You'll also get an audio file that describes my own personal list and why I put the items I put on the list for each week. Plus, the best part, you'll get a three-day email course that talks all about how to get yourself to actually follow a routine and some of my favorite cleaning hacks, among other helpful tips to get you started. If you want to grab this resource, head to DesireeEndries.com slash cleaning routine. That's DesireeEndries.com slash cleaning routine. And that link will also be in the show notes. All right, back to the show. Okay, well, I, first of all, what you post um, on your Instagram is just so inspiring. And to see the videos, your daughter is so cute. And to see her just be so independent and so excited, it's really, um, it's it's inspired me a lot to do kind of similar things um, with my daughter. And, and it's amazing to see what they can do if you give them the opportunity um, to just have that independence. So... We'll talk a little bit um, more about that, but what I would love to chat with you about right now um, is child-friendly spaces in the home because one thing, one of the first things I kind of, when I was like scrolling through your Instagram and found it, I was like, oh, this is gold and I love this. Um, One of the first things I saw was your little, uh, I guess your tour of your first floor living room area and I loved how you incorporated spaces for for your daughter so that she could kind of like you know this is her home too and you know we're not we're not trying to hide that a toddler lives here type of thing so um typically as moms i feel like when we have a toddler who gets into everything like we want to child proof our homes right <laughs> and that's kind of i feel like how how i was at first um but i've loved kind of seeing how you have created a space where your child, instead of like being locked out of things, she's, she's able to explore safely and, and just learn. So because this podcast is um, grounded in minimalism and I have a value of like having also an uncluttered space as well, because I think like children can thrive in that, in that space. And I know that I thrive in that space. Um, So what are some ways that you have incorporated child-friendly spaces in your home? Yeah, I do think that people often have two ways to go with toddlers, either let the kids take over the whole house and just embrace chaos or keep the toys completely separate in a playroom. Um, And while many Montessori homes do have a playroom that are very beautiful, um, we don't really have space for that in our current house. But in the end, I've kind of appreciated it because I like having our living space open and inviting for the whole family, um, including our toddler. And it's also really nice to just be able to keep an eye on her when she's in the living room and I'm in the kitchen, although she usually wants to be in the kitchen with me. But, um, you know, we have kind of an open floor plan. So because her things are just in our living space, I can always know where she is and she can feel a part of everything. Um, so I would say our style is kind of modern minimalist 
Scandinavian, um, just looking around, I don't know how to describe it, but we've made pretty much our entire main floor child-friendly because as I mentioned, that's where we spend all of our time. And it's kind of a nice mix of simple, um, but pretty, and the furniture and decor meet both of our needs, so kind of our style and what our daughter needs in terms of function and play. Um, so in terms of how we've made it child-friendly, uh, she has two low and open shelves in our living room where we keep just a limited number of toys out for her. Um, and both the shelves and the toys are simple and appealing, so they blend in fairly well with the room. Um, and in our dining room, she has an art table and play kitchen from Ikea, which we've turned into a functional kitchen where she keeps her own little dishes and cleaning supplies. Um, and then we've just picked out this child size furniture for our living space because it does blend in with our home, but it still lets her have that independence that she needs as a toddler. Um, and then also in our dining room, we just have a stoke high chair, which pulls right up to our dining table. So kind of, you don't even notice it. And then a little cube weaning table that she can bring her own food and drink to. Um, so yeah, we just kind of have blended it in with ours, including by the front door, she has low hooks and a little step stool to help get ready for going outside and coming back in. Um, and then in her bedroom, she has a floor bed, um, which is a kind of traditional Montessori way of sleeping that she can get in and out of on her own. Um, and then she even has a little low wardrobe or clothes hanger in her closet where she can pick out her own outfits and help get dressed in the morning. So it's kind of a little summary of our house. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, that's so fun that she has so many spaces where you know she can kind of learn on her own and be independent. Tell me a little bit about, tell me about the floor bed. When did you put her, um, yeah. did she have a crib? When did you put her in a floor bed? I'm just really curious about that. Yeah, um, as I mentioned, the first couple of months are kind of a blur and she mostly slept with me. Um, and then, but we did have a bassinet next to our bed. So she stayed in there until five or six months. And then we started doing some naps on the floor bed in her room around six months, I think it was. Again, I feel like those first months are kind of blurry. Yeah. Uh, at that point, we had done like a gentle form of sleep training. Um, as like before we started moving her to her floor bed. Um, and so then she started napping on her floor bed and she really was fine with it. I was surprised. And then we gradually transitioned night times to the floor bed. Um, and it was great. Um, I was still nursing through the night, you know, probably two or three times at that point, but I would just go in and I had the rocking chair and she wasn't crawling yet. So I don't know. It wasn't as hard of a transition. I think it gets trickier when you make the transition once they're moving around. Um, and we've definitely hit bumps with each time she's learned a new skill, like crawling and walking. But I don't know. She always goes back to her bed because she knows it's her place for sleep. So yeah. she may play for a bit longer before falling asleep, but I'm completely fine with that because she's happy in there and just she collects her books and her stuffed animals and just puts herself to sleep. And I can't really ask for anything better at this point. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, it's really like just interesting to hear 
that you like didn't have a crib. You just kind of transitioned from bassinet or with you to mm-hmm. that floor bed. Um, so, okay, let's talk a little bit more about, I guess, how do you keep like, you know, such an integrated space with toys integrated into your home? Because whether Montessori or not, like the fact is some, some of us just don't have the space for a playroom and I'm totally in that camp as well. Um, we have a small home and so all of our stuff is integrated into our living spaces as well. And I've tried several things. Like, it's funny, I feel like I've moved her, her toys and her things around so much. Um, at one point I was like, okay, I'm going to make her bedroom a toy room and put them all, put all the toys in the closet. And then I just felt like, okay, her bedroom is small and I don't want to sit up there with her in this small room while she plays. Um, and it's also, you know, there are stairs in the way. So we all have different situations, but with, with those, with, um, you know, your, your toddler spaces integrated into your spaces and the, the play spaces, um, integrated, like just everywhere within your home, um, how do you keep it? How do you keep that space uncluttered and minimal? And, you know, as much as it can be being a mom of a toddler and do you kind of get her involved in the cleanup at all? I'm really curious about that. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, always a challenge to keep the house looking clean but I like you really it drives me nuts when it's just a giant mess like I can't stand clutter um so it helps that her toys are pretty minimalist and we store them individually on the shelves so every toy or work as we call them in Montessori um, are stored in very small little baskets or on trays and they all have a very specific place on one of her shelves. So it's easy to put them back on the shelf and she knows where they belong. So at this point, she sometimes does on her own, put the tray with her toy or the basket back on the shelf. But usually it takes me prompting and sometimes we do it together. But I always make sure before we're done playing that she's at least walked with me to put all the things back on the shelf. But at any given time, there's a maximum of 12 works uh, out on her shelves. So it's just there's not a ton to clean up. Um, And the other difference is that it's not all stored in like a giant toy bin. So she can't dump. There's not whole bunch of pieces that she would dump everywhere you know I think that's where things get crazy because you also can't expect a toddler to play with a you know 30 pieces and then put them all away like that's just asking too much of a young toddler yeah so it's like if she has a puzzle with six pieces that's realistic for her to put back in a basket and put on the shelf does that if that makes sense yeah that totally makes sense um we have a few, most of our toys, I think have like a smaller amount of pieces, but we have a little like playhouse that was handed down to us with just some characters that go in it. And that every time she plays with it, (laughs) the pieces are everywhere because yeah, it just has a lot of pieces in it. So that totally makes sense. Um, and I feel like I can, uh, be an example of that because I see it every day. Um, but, but we are, yeah, we're far from perfect. And I mean, she, just like any toddler, will take all her little wooden animals and carry them around the house with her and drop them off in different places. And, you know, I'm not like, oh, you need to put that back right now. You know, we, I don't know, you always kind of find a happy medium. And there are always some random, 
I'm looking at a gorilla on her little table right now and a fox over there and I don't expect it to be perfect. You know, I still need to do dishes from lunch and yeah, real life as a mom, there's always laundry, but I just try to contain it as much as I can. And she does also help with a bit of the cleaning. You know, she will wipe up spills and she helps me put her dishes in the sink after lunch. And, you know, it's just those little things that make a big difference. Yeah. That's so sweet. And, um, I feel like, you know, the fact that what you said about just the fact that her toys are minimal, or at least, you know, the ones that you keep out for her to access are minimal. That is going to be, I think the deciding factor in how much mess that you have is how much can she make a mess with? Um, (laughs) Does she keep herself pretty occupied with like that minimal selection of toys? She does. Um, I mean, as I said, she has access to the whole main floor. So sometimes her work for the morning is reorganizing our pantry. (laughs) (laughs) But she also really enjoys her toys. And the key is to rotate the toys. So I I switch out toys on her shelf once a week or so. Um, So not everything at once because that's kind of overwhelming, but probably half or so of her toys get changed out every week so that they stay interesting for her. Um, And, you know, we get out a lot to go outside and play. Um, And she has, you know, all of her practical life kitchen activities. So she stays pretty busy with what we have, which is really nice. Yeah. Well, we talked a lot about uh, toys already, but I do want to talk a little bit more um, when it comes to kind of like toys in the home. What type of toys do you do you value um, through Montessori principles? What types of toys do you keep out for her? Well, none of her toys are plastic or light up or make noise. So they're less loud or obvious maybe in our home. Um, so each of her toys or works are made from more natural materials, often wood, um, and they serve a more specific purpose for her level of development. So Montessori toys generally encourage kind of hands-on active learning. So that's why you don't find screens and talking toys, which I guess Montessorians would argue is a more passive form of playing because they're doing something for the child instead of the child making something happen on their own. Um, And so a lot of the toy choices just come from observing the child. You'll always hear in Montessori, like follow the child and observe the child. Um, And so it does make a big difference. Like I just pay attention to what our daughter is focused on at a specific time. So for example, lately she is just in a huge language explosion and wanting to label everything and name everything. Um, So we've been doing a lot of little realistic animal and fruit and veggie figurines, which she likes to label and then match with um, matching cards that have an image of that same object. And then she's also been super interested in opening and closing jars in the kitchen. So I've just been giving her like some little nuts and bolts, wooden nuts and bolts to practice that twisty motion with her wrist again, just seeing that she's needing that practice with her kind of that fine motor of that specific motion and giving her that opportunity. Um, And then I'd say the other big thing lately is colors, which she just started 
more obviously sorting. And so another example of a toy that we have are simple little wooden bowls that are, there's three different colors and then matching colored wooden chips. So she sorts the wooden chips into the wooden bowl of the corresponding color. Um, so each work is kind of focused on a specific uh, developmental purpose for each child. Um, and I think watching her explore helps me kind of tailor the toys on the shelf to her needs at that time. Yeah. I love that. Um, like part of the principles of Montessori is to truly like watch and follow your child, because I think often when we think of like letting our children play, not that there's not a time and place for it, but I feel like, you know, the, the image of that is like, okay, go play so that I can do this. But, but to think about the fact that, you know, there are times to be really like engaged with them, maybe not to the point where you're like interfering on their play, but to the point where you're seeing them and watching them um, really like learning from them what they what they need right now or, you know, what they're learning right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really, really cool. And also really, I feel like a beautiful way to be a mother or a teacher. Um, and just like a makes, I'm sure like makes us more present too, if we're doing that. Yeah. And there's definitely a mix of times when I'm trying to get chores done and she's playing on her own and I just let her do whatever she's doing. And times when I'm sitting with her and not interrupting, but really, watching and you know helping her when she needs it and so it's nice to have that mix I think yeah yeah definitely um and I'm sure like just the fact that she is more independent and you know maybe like you support her in her play during sometimes makes her more independent and able to you know play on her own in those times when you need her to Mm -hmm. um have you found I'm right now like in the 18 month area but I feel like at this moment I'm like struggling with separation anxiety so have you have you seen that as well and like what what do you do in in that case say like maybe you're trying to get something done and you know your toddler wants to be on top of you right um yeah our daughter definitely went through that pretty intensely around that exact time 18 months was the peak of it um, both at home and away, it was just mama, mama, mama couldn't be away. And it was kind of surprising to me because she has been pretty independent. Um, and I knew that it was developmentally normal to go through that peak of separation anxiety because they're just really realizing that you can go away and they can kind of start controlling of you coming back and all of that. So that helped me just to know that it was normal. Um, but I would say I did just sort of go with it for a while and let her, you know, help me in the kitchen. That's when our kitchen helper, which is the little platform she stands on at our kitchen counter really came in handy because she still loves to be up there with me and helping. Um, so I let her tag along, but I also, designated times of the day where I would tell her very specifically that I had to work on something like doing the dishes for a few minutes and she, you know, needed to play by herself. Um, And I would start pretty small, like five minutes. And sometimes she would throw a fit, 
but then just sort of get over it and kind of go find something to do. So I think it was good to sort of stand my ground just because as a mom too, you do need a little bit of space in the day, or at least I did. Mm-hmm. And that way I wasn't giving in completely. So she was with me almost all of the day, except for sleep in these few minutes of the day where I would be like, you need to stay on your own. Um, and that worked for us. And honestly, just over the cu- couple of months, since 18 months, she's getting over that phase a lot. I notice it also, we, you know, she's in a dance class and when we started at 17 months, she wouldn't leave my side. And now she's off like galloping around the room. So mm-hmm. it's really fun to see them kind of blossom into being more independent. And um, she's still a mama's girl, but she knows how to play on her own too. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I feel like my daughter has kind of teetered back and forth of like being more independent and she will play on her own, which is great. But then um, yeah, I feel like the day she turned 18 months, which was not long ago, but, um, but I mean, she really, even around family that she loves to be with, she's like wanting to be on top of me. So I was like, um, so yeah, that, that's helpful to me. And I'm sure a lot of other moms who might be dealing with it or are going to deal with it in the future. And I think one really important thing when this is peak is peaking. I mean, she doesn't, she's not in daycare and we hardly ever have a babysitter, but the few times someone else watches her or is just over, like you said, and she was at that phase, I, you know, would just speak really clearly to her and say, like, I'll be right back, but I need to go do, you know, such and such. Or if I was active, if we went on a date, you know, my husband and I, which again, it really happens. You know, just say, explain to her, you know, before we left would be matter of fact and confident and I'll be back and I love you very much. But if you, you know, the wavering back and forth of like, oh, maybe we can't go or then they sense that you're nervous, which just makes them more nervous. So it's like when you do have to leave or separate from them, it's just like short and sweet. I love you and goodbye and I'll see you soon. Um, makes such a big difference for them too in just like feeling confident themselves and seeing that you always return and then they learn to just trust that you do always come back and that's what's really important yeah yeah i love that advice and the thought that like you know your confidence is going to make them more confident in you as well yeah cuz you don't always feel confident but you just have to exude it <laughs> yeah yeah for sure <laughs> I feel like that is that can be applied to a lot of places in motherhood. When your toddler might be like clingy or even even if not, um, what are some ways that do you involve her in like everyday rhythms? Because I know, you know, Montessori has values in teaching these everyday, you know, life skills and independence. So what are some ways that you maybe involve her in everyday rhythms or activities within the home? Yeah, she helps out a lot with all the activities at home. As I said, she she is fading out of the peak separation anxiety, but she still just loves to be with me and I love to be with her. So I try to incorporate her as much as I can. Um, so obviously a kitchen is a big one. If you see on my Instagram, we're always in the kitchen kind of doing food prep together. And she's even started helping me you know, mix ingredients together in the kitchen. Um, She either stands at her kitchen helper or I set something up for her to do at her little Ikea kitchen. 
um, including chopping and spreading and um, serving onto plates. Um, she also helps me, you know, helps in quotation <laughs> with laundry. She loves to put laundry in the washer and switch it. And she even really wants to help me fold, but isn't quite there yet. But I do give her just a little stack and she could do her, you know, folding as she calls it. <laughs> um, <laughs> what else? Well, the cleaning, she... She has her own little towels and laundry baskets. So if she spills, you know, she either, she usually likes to, to clean up with a towel. So she'll go get her towel and help wipe it up. Again, it's not about whether she gets all the water, but just sort of the process. And then she'll put it back in her own little laundry basket. Yeah, I don't know. She, you know, she, if I'm sweeping, she kind of finds her own little broom and follows along. So it's fun. Sometimes I'll notice her just using her toys in other ways, like pretending that she's cleaning. <laughs> she has a push toy that has become her vacuum. And she'll do like the same motions that I do with ours. And it's just cute to see how much they want to be just like us. Um, and so I think, you know, I've heard critics say, why, you know, why are, is your toddler doing chores? Like they have their whole life to do chores, but it's not that we're making them do chores is that they love to help. Yeah. Um, and so we're just giving them that opportunity because they already want to do it. Yeah. That's so great. So thank you so much for kind of all of your insight into Montessori um, and the different principles that you include into your home um, with your daughter. But if a mom listening has more interest in Montessori, because I'm sure we've only like not even scratched the surface, um, what are some resources that you can point her to for starting out? And of course, I know your blog is definitely a great one. So tell us again what the name of your blog is and other places that listeners can find you online. Yeah. Um, if you have an infant or are expecting the book um, Montessori from the Start by Paula Polk Willard is great. I've read it a couple of times and it just kind of covers the basics of Montessori in a really beautiful way. Um, and then for a toddler, there's a new book by Simone Davies that just came out called The Montessori Toddler. Um, and it's aesthetically gorgeous and also very informative for having a toddler both the setup of your home and also dealing with you know, turkey toddler behaviors. Um, and then uh, my blog is called Montessori in Real Life, and my Instagram is the same. Um, and then my fellow mom blogger and friend, Bridget, uh, and I just launched the Montessori Guide, which you can also find on my blog. And it's just kind of offers a month by month suggestions of Montessori activities for you to introduce to your baby or toddler. So we're just hoping to kind of help people incorporate Montessori in a, in a simple way at home. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay. So thank you so much for all your insight and for giving me answers and motherhood as well. <laughs> I feel like you've, um, given a lot of advice that I, I'm going to take away from this interview. So thank you. Um, but also just, I know that, you know, so many people are going to gain little practical things that they can take away from this. So before we wrap up, I do like to ask two questions to all of, all of my guests that I have on the podcast. So first one is what is something that you're simplifying right now in your life? 
That's a tough one. I feel like I'm always trying to simplify everything. Um, but a big one is just as we're preparing for our next baby, I'm just thinking about how to simplify what we need for him or rather what we don't need. Um, I have definitely done a lot less preparation for this little guy as I did for our daughter, just because I think I'm both busier and I've learned from her that you just don't need a whole lot in the beginning. Um, there's so much pressure to like buy a million things for your newborn. And as we talked about before, the simplest things are their favorites um, from babies through toddlers. So you know, just kind of simplifying that. I'm not even sure we'll set up the nursery before he's born because we just don't use it at first. Mm -hmm. So just kind of giving myself the a break on all of that. And people ask lots of questions like, are you ready? And I'm like, well, psychologically, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Define ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really great. Um, and I can totally relate to that. We had so much for my daughter. I mean, because friends gave us things and we didn't really buy anything. It was all given to us, but, but it was stuff that we wanted or thought we needed. And yeah, just, it, it's not, it's not all needed. And <laughs> all of that, I feel like that can, that can be overwhelming as well than just kind of keeping it simple. Um, okay. And then the second question is what is something that you can't stop talking about right now? Something you're loving? Um, you've probably heard of this already, but I'm obsessed with the uh, force of nature cleaner. So it, uh, my friend Bridget introduced it to me and it's amazing. So it just comes as a kit and you mix your tap water with a small capsule that's just salt and vinegar, press a button and then electricity turns it in to a safe, natural, and really effective cleaner. And so they say, and I hope it's true, <laughs> it's as, as effective as bleach and safe enough for your child to taste. So we use it for everything around the house. And since um, our daughter helps with cleaning, it's really nice because I can put a little bit in her small spray bottle and she's kind of figuring that out and how to help me clean. Um, and I, just love that it's completely natural and safe for her to use as well. And then I don't have to worry about it being on all the surfaces she eats from. And, um, and it's super fun to like press a button and watch the magic. Happen. Yeah. That's so cool. I have not heard of that, but I'm going to have to look up, look it's it up now. Cool. It's like an investment to get the little starter kit, but then once you have the capsules, you don't ever have to buy the cleaner again. Yeah. That's really cool. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast again. And yeah, I good, um, I don't want to say good luck. What do I want to say? Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, there, <laughs> there's no luck to it, really. <laughs> Congratulations on... <laughs> A little bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations on, uh, on your second one that's coming so soon. That's so exciting. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Us, me. <laughs> me and my baby. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, the end of my conversation with Teresa really makes me laugh. I think we were both feeling that mom version of tired that only happens during nap time when the energy of the day is on pause. And I still wanted to share it with you, though, because it was just so fun to chat with Teresa. It felt like talking to a mom friend. And as you can tell... Teresa and I are in a very similar seasons of motherhood, both with toddler girls that are only a few months apart. And our conversation just reminded me of 
how important it is to be regularly having conversations with other moms in the same season or in the season ahead of you or maybe in the season just behind you. Just in general, all moms have such different wisdom and experience and we all have something to gain from one another. So find yourself a mom to chat with, whether you're struggling with something specific or not. I really think community is key, especially for moms who stay at home, because it can be isolating, right? All right, I went on a bit of a tangent there, but one thing I do want to point out from our conversation, I love the idea in Montessori that Teresa mentioned about watching the child and learning what the child needs through observing. I know personally as a mom, it can feel like there is so much to do in a day. But as I've walked towards living a little bit slower, what I realized is that there is time if we allow there to be time. There is time if we make it. Note, I did not say there is time if we find it. We can't just randomly find new time in our day. It's about making the time. And while I won't talk about the how of that here, because I just, this episode is already a long one. Just be encouraged that if you do slow down and take the time to really sit with your child, watch your child, observe your child play, or even take the time to play with your child, whatever that looks like for you in your current season of motherhood, whatever chores you had to put off to make time for that, they will still be there afterwards, and you will still be able to get to them. Motherhood is precious, our babies are precious, and I don't think we'll ever regret slowing down and saying no to a million other demands so that we can pay a little more attention to them. Now, I don't say that in a way to make you feel guilty or shameful in any way. I find myself getting caught up in other things, wanting to rush away the day, and it's okay to have days or moments like that as well. It's never going to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. But what I know for sure is that the days that I push that rushed feeling away, those are the best days. That's all for this episode, friends. I hope that you gained some new insight or ideas when it comes to involving your kids in everyday tasks or minimizing toys or creating new play spaces in the home. Next week on the show, I'm going to address a concern I keep hearing from moms who listen to the show. And that concern is feeling overwhelmed and not knowing where to start when it comes to decluttering. I'm specifically going to address some of the excuses that get in the way of decluttering And then I'll give you some more practical tips on where to actually get started and how to start. So whether you've started decluttering or you just don't know where to even begin, I created next week's episode for you. So don't miss it. And by the way, I am the queen of overwhelm. I was overwhelmed more than I could even tell you before minimalism. The things I'm going to talk about next week, they come from real life experience. So don't miss next week's show. One way to make sure you don't miss it, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, friend. Okay, thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you next week. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.